Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with office drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we also know that most teams only operate at about 58% of their actual potential, and we've got the tools and training to make that number keep going up. We believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. So invincible teams. Here we are. Episode episode one, man. Episode one. Yeah, we'll we'll say that first one was was good, but it was you know, it was an intro, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every every good podcast have has to have that kind of like gate into the yellow brick road that will be <laughs> this journey or something did, like that. Did, I, I was going to say, did that feel like um, Michael Scott starting a, a sentence oh, or a story absolutely. and not knowing where he was going with it? Cause that's sure what it sounded like. <laughs> his, his face actually flashed on the back of my eyelids for a second. Yes. Um, so good. So good. Well, cool, man. Well, I love this. Um, you know, like you said, this idea of like when we get intentional um, things happen, like, it, right. you know, like for so many of us that are leaders and, you know, you business owners out there, man, like just the pressure from day to day obligations and sales and employees and drama and all this kind of stuff. And man, you can just kind of get to a place where you kind of push that stuff out and ignore it. Mm. But we want to get intentional and we want to yeah. like, you know, continue to rise to this potential um, that our teams have. And so today I'm excited. We're going to dive into something um, special that uh, is specific to uh, like I, definitely my heart, but um, really like what I get to do with you, Ryan, um, on the Evergreen team and it serve nonprofits and specifically right. faith-based nonprofits. Yeah. And so today we're going to take a look at nonprofits and how each type on the Enneagram kind of shines um, at that table. Uh, there's a lot of really good leaders out there that have written books about getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the things that may happen today is that uh, let's say you're a leader who you have, you know, different Enneagram types represented on your staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you may walk away from this episode going, oh, maybe I have somebody in the wrong seat on the mm-hmm. bus. Or maybe I have an empty seat and I need to fill that. Um, right. And so, so yeah, so we're going to take a look at each type, how they kind of have like a, there's a lot of superpowers, but we're going to kind of like stick on one. And then uh, I'm going to have Ryan just kind of speak to maybe something just to watch out for. Um, because yeah. for a lot of us, when we dive into our specific kind of wirings and we kind of just hang out there. Sometimes that doesn't um, kind of uh, flow well with the rest of our team. And so yeah, like we talked about, self-awareness, self-acceptance um, is really the starting point of beginning to lead well and serve others well. And so, sure. yeah, man, let's dive in. Are you ready? Sounds great. Yeah, let's do, do it. it. Well, let's start with uh, the ones. You know, you know a few things about this. Uh, I know I a couple so. things about this. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know things. if you got this planned or not, but maybe just for anybody that's listening that might not be super familiar with Enneagram stuff, if you want to give like a 10 to 15 second description of of a one or of each number as we go through two that might be helpful for sure yeah um i'll say like this um my ryan you identifies a type one my sister identifies as type one i love ones um ones uh can be called the good person um they basically have this internal 
we'll call it a moral compass <laughs> where <laughs> you guys um, are able to see the good and the bad in the world. And, Unlike the rest uh, of you people who have no moral <laughs> compass. Is that what you're saying? Basically, I have no idea yeah. even what that means. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just um, they want to be right. So they want to be good. And in the context of a, a faith-based nonprofit, this is a huge asset um, mm. because when you've got ideas just flowing left and right and wanting to constantly grow our efforts to serve more people um, in our communities and around the world, um, it's easy to get lost in those things. And so one of the things that I've seen ones do so well is kind of be like these logistical wizards that are able to sort through all the mesh and help identify like things to latch onto and ideas and then help us put those logistics and pieces together and then accomplish them. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? Do you, do you feel like you've, um, you, uh, are capable of doing that as a type one? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, one's one of the things with people like me is that we do like our systems and our structures and things like that. And, and it's really easy for, me to come into a situation or a team or something like that and and be like, okay, this needs to be organized like this. We need to implement this process. We need to put this, this stuff here physically. We need to have this in place for when this happens. And so, yeah, that's like an easy framework for my mind to try and apply on top of a, a team or a situation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And then you kind of hit at that as like you, you even said, I like plans and I like my structures. Um, and sometimes for ones, I feel like when those kind of get rocked or knocked out of sync, um, it can cause some, some tension. And so, um, what do you think Ryan, like is maybe just really quickly, like something for ones to watch out for in that, um, yeah. when it comes to maybe holding a little too tight to structure? Well, yeah, not that I have any sort of personal experience with this or anything, uh, but I've heard other ones talk about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the hardest things for ones is that we have a really hard time getting over something that we see as wrong, right? Even if it's something that's that's little, that's minor, that's not actually a big deal, sometimes we can just be so stubborn and stuck on that. And so it's always helpful for me to remember to kind of lift my eyes up off of that little thing and remember what the greater you know, purpose is for a team. And for you talking specifically about nonprofits or even faith-based nonprofits, there's usually some sort of people-oriented mission that overrides everything. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I found myself in the past saying things like, okay, in the grand scheme of, of everything and this mission to help these people with this cause or whatever, this little thing that I'm upset about because someone didn't perfectly follow a procedure or a rule does not matter, right? And so it's when I can remind myself of those things that, that it's good, but that can be the real downfall is getting tripped up over those tiny, tiny things that don't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. And, and I just wrote this down, but like once what you see, we need like others need that. Mm, um, yeah. And um, but just learn how to say it maybe in love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not everything has to come crashing down um, like a hammer. But, yeah. You can uh, yeah. you can be right in the wrong way. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So good. Awesome. Well, let's jump to twos. Um, twos on the Enneagram could be identified as the helper. Um maybe one of the things they might struggle with is identifying more with what other people think and feel about them. Um, but 
but I just want to say to twos real quick, like you are more than what you do. Um, twos in the context of a, a nonprofit, like I've seen in um, almost 10 years of working with nonprofits is twos are just the people that get stuff done. Um, a lot of times when you look at kind of the people on the ground floor of a, of a faith-based nonprofit, you know, the ones like when I worked at City Youth, like we had volunteers in the kitchen, we had volunteers working with uh, the crazy elementary kids, the ones driving the school buses, the one cleaning bathrooms. Most of those people were Enneagram twos. Mm. And, uh, and so these people just have a heart just to serve. Um, and so one of the things that I think is really cool is that um, in the context of a faith-based nonprofit, these people from a toilet brush to a microphone um, are just going to go above and beyond. Mm, but one yeah. of the things in that is that they can almost be kind of like what I call like task orders where it's like, Oh, like that needs to be done. And that needs to be done. Um, but one of the things that I feel like can be really helpful for twos to really shine in a nonprofit setting is, Hey, invite other people into what it is that you're doing. Mm. Um, if you see that a bathroom needs to be cleaned, Hey, grab Johnny, the volunteer over here, who's over filling, like twiddling his thumbs um, and give him a brush and go encourage him to do the same because people mm. are inspired by your work ethic. People yeah. are inspired um, by your willingness to serve and how you kind of lead with your heart. And so keep it up. Yeah, we're thankful for that. But yeah, Ryan, what do you think about for twos, man? If they get too sucked into yeah. just kind of doing it all, what what's something they need to watch out for? Yeah, this one uh, is pretty easy for me. Um, like when in the context of nonprofits and specifically faith faith based ones, um, you know, twos their big thing. They love to serve people, right? And and we call it when it gets unhealthy, we call it becoming a martyr, right? And if you think about things like nonprofits and specifically faith based nonprofits, that self giving servant hearted humility thing is such. A, a value in so many of those that it's encouraged like much more heavily than potentially in a corporate team somewhere, right? Not saying it doesn't exist in corporate world, but in faith-based nonprofits, it certainly exists. And so it's so amplified that it's almost like a drug for twos, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, this is my spot. And so they just keep going and keep going and keep going and it's almost like being stuck on a treadmill that they can't get off of. And twos can burn out, I would say, more easily in the faith-based nonprofit world than even in the corporate world. And yeah. so twos have got to learn how to get off that treadmill. And it's okay to, to chill and relax for a second and not have to always be on serving everybody around you all the time because you will burn yourself out that way. Yeah, yeah. So good, so good. All right, threes. Um I mean, I think threes are powerful, powerful assets for nonprofits, faith-based nonprofits. Um, if you're looking at a um, actual symbol of the Enneagram, um, threes are kind of in this unique spot where they're right in the middle of this, what we call the heart triad. And, uh, and even though sometimes they can seem like they're not super emotional driven people, um, in a faith-based nonprofit, these people love people so well but they do that by going after um, successes and wins with a drive like no other. I mean, it's it's unreal to see a three just be unleashed. And so yeah. one of the things that I, I, I thought about where you see three shine in that setting is by kind of taking the efforts and the vision of a nonprofit beyond the walls or beyond mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day, um, 
efforts to where they start building relationships with, you know, city officials or, uh, and we actually, Ron and I, we, we know someone like, like that. I'm a pastor yeah. of a, of a, a church we were a part of and my gosh, like this guy had this amazing ability to invite people to the table, um, not just for relationship, but literally to create partnerships. Like, I think that's sure. one of the big things there is to they yeah. create these really powerful partnerships um, so that they can see the, the vision and the mission of, of that nonprofit go further. Um, it's so good. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so to take that maybe now to something to watch out for, what, what do you got for threes in that? And one of the biggest things that I would tell threes specifically, in, you know, we're talking nonprofit stuff where basically everything that they do has a huge impact because they're probably involved with fundraising and, and just public persona and all that stuff. For threes, it's a huge warning sign if all of your friends have some sort of strategic value to you, mm. right? If you're a three, you need to have friends that have no strategic value to you. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're tying all of your relationships to, uh, to your job, to the performance of you know, the, the organization or the team or the relationship that, uh, that you're building. And sooner or later, people figure that out or you come to a point where you actually have some crap in your life you got to deal with. And mm -hmm. it's too risky to, to share that with your friends because they have this strategic value that you might lose if you're too honest with them. And so non-strategic friendships, if you don't have any of those, that is a huge warning light that you ought to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something really special for the nonprofit that I work for currently is we actually just got a new board of directors. And on that board, I could probably point out a couple of different Enneagram threes that are in that, that lineup of, mm. of men and women. And I'm just going to say that like this, it is game changing. It's game changing mm. to have people like that on the team that are willing to um, use that drive to achieve and succeed in relation to a mission and a vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not selfish. It's not, um, you know, self-serving, but it's really to, to set things up for future and, and, you know, the more, um, yeah. especially as a seven, I love, I love that kind of stuff. So, right. um, super fun. Well, cool. Let's dive into fours. Um, I got some fours in my life and I, man, I'm so thankful for these guys. Um, some people call them the authentic person. Um, I, I like to call them the, the, the creators or the cultivators. Like these people, um, specifically my little brother, they focus on kind of the aesthetics of life. Um, mm. They like to point people to the beautiful things in life. And so in a faith-based nonprofit, once again, amazing tool, amazing person to have on your team. And then the thing that, that kind of stuck out to me when I was preparing for this is that I really believe that fours kind of see everything through this emotional lens um, mm. where they can connect the efforts and the dreams and the plans that we have as a nonprofit to how it's going to impact the people that we serve, even mm. down to like on an emotional level, how mm. is this going to impact these people? And so what I wrote down was I think that fours have a superpower and they really shine by helping us and nonprofits, faith-based nonprofits filter our efforts through the who with the people that we've set out to serve Say we're mm. in a meeting, we're dreaming, we're brainstorming. There's there's been times in meetings where we're like the four sitting over there going, okay, but how does this help? Like you know, say this specific group of people. Like when I was working for a juvenile justice, you know, program in Conway, Arkansas, it would have been like, hey, that's an awesome idea. 
but how is that helping bring hope um, and, uh, you know, life to the um, inner city underprivileged children in our, in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so force, we need that because a lot of times, uh, especially for somebody like me, it's just, let's just do it. Let's just go, um, you know, try it, see what happens. Um, but force have an insane gift of being able to filter that through. And I think help us dodge some bullets um, a lot of times in, in uh, executing some of those ideas. So um, any extra thoughts on that, or maybe something they can be watching out for? Yeah. So as you're talking, I was thinking about it. And the thing that came to mind for me was uh, fours are almost never part of kind of the mainstream thoughts and ideas, right? They're fours are typically on the margins, on the fringes of things and seeing other people who are on the the fringe and on the margins of things. So when you're talking about people and specifically the people that a nonprofit might be serving, uh, fours will probably see some people that are not being served quite as well um, as others because they just have eyes for that. And that's an incredible gift, but it can also uh, be a little bit of a roadblock, right? If um, let's say a nonprofit is serving you know, 80% of its people very well. Um, and you know, 20% maybe isn't being served quite as well. Yeah. That needs to be pointed out and, and brought to light and hopefully addressed. But if a four is not careful, they can get so hung up on that, that it actually will end up hurting the 80% that are being served well because Mm -hmm. they get too hung up on the 20. Right. So just Mm -hmm. watch out for that and remember that that's important, but it's not the only thing that's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good. Five. So on that, so we've talked about fours and um, kind of this emotional awareness. Um, But as we step into fives, we'll kind of flip it to the complete opposite spectrum here where fives known as kind of the observer. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, these people have just, uh, it really is a superpower to disconnect themselves and just continue to show up as a very grounded and objective voice. Um, for I think a lot of leaders, I think a lot of teams benefit so greatly, greatly by having a healthy five on their team. Um, these people help bring tons of um, kind of weight to ideas. So, like, say um, my five friends, I have an idea. These are the people that are going to go and research it for ten days, and then come back to me and say, "Well, this is how we can do it." Um, but there's all this research, and you know, here's some numbers, and here's data. Um, and, uh, and so they, they really do, they serve as a, um, just a, um, just a consistent presence that doesn't get hung up in the drama or the emotions of all of it. Um, and these people don't get me wrong. They, they serve well, they have, um, they contribute to the vision and the mission. Um, but I, I really am for like leaders and, um, you know, executive directors or pastors of nonprofits. Um, these are just amazing people to have on your team um, and give them space at the table. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, what's the word here I'm looking for? Um, stereotype that fives are a little more introverted at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes they don't speak up always, you know, they don't mm-hmm. come into a meeting hot and heavy, um, but invite these people into that space and I really think they're going to provide um, just a consistent source of um, helpful insight, objective, um, you know, uh, non-biased insight. So, right. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about that? 
Uh, I think that's great. Uh, there's, you know, several different things that I thought of uh, along those lines. The the one thing that I'll share here, I guess, is I think a lot of times fives, uh, they don't they don't remember to do the very last step of research, right? You can turn a five loose on research and and they can find everything, right? And they and they'll read through it and study it and, and everything. Um, and then they're tempted to bring you a giant stack of papers and reports. Like, here's all the information for you to read through now that I've found it all for you, right? <laughs> Which is not the final step in research. The last step, if you're a five listening to this, that you have to make when you're researching something is to synthesize your research because not everybody else is able to wade through the crazy amounts of information and data like you are. And so you having the ability to do that need to take the responsibility on yourself to actually synthesize it down to some of the most critical, you know, bullet points, important paragraphs, things like that, that are going to be the most valuable information that the rest of your team needs to know. And if you'll learn to do that between your research and presenting it to the team, you'll see remarkable improvement in the way that the team perceives you, perceives your work and your value to the team and your impact will increase. I mean, I, I'm going to say tenfold. I don't know. I'm just wow. throwing a number out, but, but I'm sure it will. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. All right. Sixes. Um, once again, if you've listened to another Enneagram podcast, if you haven't, that's um, that podcast we used to do, right? That, yeah. That's the one we used to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, if you're just now joining us, Ryan and I are actually both married to sixes, like yeah. um, Enneagram sixes. Um, and so I actually work with my wife at a nonprofit who is a six. So this one was pretty easy um, to, mm. to, to bolt out. But um, sixes, uh, the loyalist um, people that are pretty typically known as being fear driven people. Um, they're the ones you want to sit next to on a plane because they've already found the 37 ways that they're going to get out of, uh, hmm. an incident alive. Sure. Um, and, uh, but man, are these people valuable, um, in a nonprofit setting and just as, as clear and kind of packaged as I could put it, I really believe like what I said about fours, how fours can filter our efforts through the who. I think the sixes have an ability to filter our efforts and our ideas through the what. Um, okay. Sixes can be known so much for being, they're, they're very loyal people. They're very faithful people. Mm -hmm. And when a six shows up to a nonprofit who claims to do X for X because of X, I think sixes are going to lock into Hey, this is what we've communicated that we're going to do for people. Hmm. And so they step into a, a meeting or a season where we're maybe switching some things up and trying some new things. I feel like they're going to be those people that are going to always point us back to, Hey, don't forget that we communicated to these people that we serve, that this is what we're going to provide for them. Hmm. And I think, I think they have the ability to kind of loosen their grip on their plans and, you know, as they mature, hmm. um, there's a, there's an open handedness that um, becomes a, a quality there. Um, but we, we need that. We need that reminder um, and that loyal, um, that just that, yeah, that loyalness, uh, like faithfulness to the people that we serve. So um, as a, like you said earlier, as a four may focus um, too much on the 20% that mm -hmm. it costs the 80 Mm -hmm. um, I think sixes kind of flip that and they help us like remember the 80. They help mm -hmm. us remember um, what yeah. we 
are, are contributing to those people and how we're serving them. Um, and that's what I've seen. I mean, there's a, there's a billion things that each of these types bring to the table. These are just the ones that I feel like I've seen um, really modeled well and um, are experiencing in real time now. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen that with quite a few different sixes that I've had the privilege of working with, but um, yeah, you're, you're married to a six. What, what do you think about this? <laughs> well, um, yeah, obviously sixes are, are people that you and I have plenty of experience with. And, um, you know, when I think about sixes, one of the things uh, that I think is it's really easy and any number could do this, I suppose, but it's really easy for sixes to be, uh, frustrated, especially with whoever is in charge, uh, whenever they don't see them valuing people the same way that they do, right? Sixes are a lot of times naturally more nurturing people, right? And so who do we have right now and how do we take care of them? Whereas a lot of times in the nonprofit space, the people in charge are a little bit more uh, vision driven, right? And it's all about going out and hitting the next thing, getting the next person in, you know, and, and continuing to move the ball forward. Right. Mm. And, and a lot of times that comes or can come at the expense of the people that are already involved. So like what you're saying, the 80%. And so for sixes, what I would just encourage you to, to remember is that everybody has their own role to play and not everybody needs to be that nurturer. That's mm. why you are there is to do that for those people. And the only reason that those people are there for you to nurture is because there was some sort of visionary leader out front drawing them in, right? So Mm -hmm. rather than being um, bitter and frustrated at this person who, who isn't nurturing these people like you think they should, be thankful for them for finding those people in the first place and giving you an Mm -hmm. opportunity to nurture them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think for a lot of nonprofits out there, they have these, you know, different visions and, and missions and they serve different people. But I think for so many nonprofits that are serving underprivileged people, at the end of the day, they really do want to provide a safe and secure space for them um, mm-hmm. that are that are meeting needs. And I, and men sixes, um, I think, just naturally gravitate um, to that and mm-hmm. in their own lives and their families and things like that. And so when they show up and bring that to the table of a faith based nonprofit, really cool things happen. Yeah, so for sure. All right. Uh, all sevens out there, man. Have you noticed, um, little side point here. Have you noticed how a lot of Enneagram books, they actually will write about all the types and they'll make sevens last. Have you noticed, have you noticed that? I haven't noticed that. So yeah. Um, oh, I did. Don't, don't you. Well, it probably killed you. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, I remember, uh, Ian Cron's book and then some of the, the Christopher Hewitt's books that I've written, uh, read, they will start because oh, they at, go with like the eight, nine, the triads, one, two, yes. three, four. Yeah, yes. I gotcha. Yeah. So seven always comes last in the description. And I, I know they did that intentionally. I know they did that intentionally <laughs> um, to make us wait, you know, to the last Just moment. practice but in your patience. There it is. There it is. So, yeah. So sevens, um, sometimes known as the enthusiast, man, these are uh, those like life of the party, big personality, fun time, Gary kind of people. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Um, and one of the things that I have seen, especially working for a youth camp in Southern California, is that a lot of sevens gravitate towards nonprofit work Hmm. because it gives them a fun and kind of free space just to utilize that positivity that they kind of naturally bring. Um, and, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll speak to 
something I think they should watch out for. Sure. Go for it. Uh, and then you can add to it. But, but before I do that, I, I just want to say this. I, I really love seeing healthy sevens in this space because I think healthy sevens help push teams forward by keeping the the vision out in front. Um, okay. So like, it's like one of those things you used to see in cartoons would be a donut tied to a, a fishing line dangling <laughs> yeah. over a dude's face, you know, and he keeps chasing after the donut. And, um, and so often in nonprofit um, land, you know, we meet setback after setback, whether it's financial or we don't have enough volunteers or, you know, we lost um, a key player at the table of our, of our executive team. Um, and man, sevens have a really uh, natural ability to help us not rebound, but to see see the 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 bright side. You know, a lot of these sevens are half full kind of pe- glass half full kind of people. Right, right. Um, and so, but but here's the thing in that though. Um, I remember when I first dove into Enneagram stuff. You know, one of the guys was writing about uh, Walt Disney, and they said that nobody ever goes up to Walt Disney and, and puts a finger in his chest and says, "How hey, how are you doing?" Cause this guy literally like bled joy. He bled like happiness, you know? Uh, um, but when you're Mr. Positive and you're Mr. Bright and sunny all the time, kind of like what we said about the two earlier, I think sevens are next in line of experiencing burnout hmm. um, at a more rapid pace um, in the context of faith-based nonprofits. Typically hmm. sevens are kind of jack of all trades people. And so hmm. they can kind of like fit into these different pockets and different areas of nonprofits. Um, and they end up taking on way more than they're actually capable of. Um, and here's the sad part is that they don't get a lot of it actually done. Um, yeah. and, and so not only is it not good for them as a person, it's not good for the organization. And so I think for the sevens out there, um, you, you got to be a little more aware of your capacity and you need to be aware of kind of where you are on the spectrum of, um, not just showing up to work every day and putting on a, a, a bright face and going with the flow. Um, you need to be honest with your team. You need to have people in your life that are checking in on you and keeping you accountable um, because our teams need us to show up and point to the vision, but they also need, need us to be transparent and they need us mm. to be vulnerable. Um, and so that, that's just something I feel like I've had to grow in um, and being here at a, at a youth camp where uh, really I could go at a hundred percent and just have a ton of fun, you know, through mm-hmm. an entire camp season and then get to the end and crash and experience an insane amount of loneliness and um, potentially even depression. Um, and so finding those kind of key elements kind of throughout the work um, just helps me show up um, day after day in a more healthy state. So any thoughts there? No, man, I think you covered it. That one sounds good. We'll keep rolling. Sweet. So let's dive into eights. Um, man, out of all of the types that help bring just um, a lot of value to nonprofits, I think eights are up there at the top. <laughs> um, eights are naturally justice-driven people. Yeah. Um, heavy hitters are, in this world. Heavy hitters, man. And these are the kind of people that they go to bed at night. And one of the primary questions that in my relationship with eights um, I've seen is that they, they want to know that they made a difference at the end of each day. And eight is laying in bed going, did I make a difference today? Hmm. Not, did I make more money? Not, did I blah, 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 blah. But hey, did I make a difference today? And when you're talking about um, a valuable leader or a valuable Hmm. contributor to the the mission of a nonprofit, man, eights are, like you said, heavy hitters. And so 
Um, so where we talked about fours, help filter efforts um, to focus on the people that we serve. Sixes um, help filter our efforts and our ideas through um, how we go about surfing and our efforts. Um, I think that eights have um, a really important seat at the table by helping us stay committed to the why. Mm. So if you've developed a, um, a mission and a vision statement for your organization, um, you've probably heard, you know, the, the different leaders out there say that we have to start with the why, like everything has to start with the why, because anybody can go out and start a nonprofit and, and do something. Um, but what's going to stand the test of time and create a, a, a longevity to your organization is having a healthy vision. Um, and so for people like me that love brainstorming and love coming up with new ideas and trying new things is it can be really easy for nonprofits to get away from the original why or the why that keeps them, um, yeah, just relevant and mm-hmm. um, impactful in their communities. And so, yeah, eights are, eights are huge um, in helping us with that. Yeah. What do you think? Man, I agree. Eights are, uh, I talk all the time about how eights are very attracted to nonprofit work because of that whole justice orientation, right? They want to right the wrongs of the world and stand up for those who can't defend themselves and be an advocate, right? So a lot of eights in that space, and a lot of things that could be said, both good and um, and on the the negative side, just like any number. But just one of those things that I thought of, uh, which applies to any eight, but especially eights in any sort of a leadership position. Um, eights can tend to just try to do it all themselves, right? Um, eights eights are usually strong people, and so because they're strong, you know, I'm just going to do it myself, right? And what can happen really easily, and they don't intend it this way, but they'll just start doing everything, put on the superhero cape, right? And you talked about an eight laying in bed, but I'm saying eights are probably the ones that are most likely to not make it to bed, right? Because they're working for 25 hours a day on stuff. And, And then here's the warning sign is when eights start to get bitter at the other people on their team and start asking themselves questions like, why don't these people care as much as I do? Um, it's a dark road to go down and eight can really run people off because they're so passionate um, that they'll end up doing it themselves and pushing people aside, even though they don't mean it that way. And people are trying to help. Uh, and, and typically stereotyping a little bit, eights are usually the loudest uh, voice on a team. And so if you find yourself asking that question, like, why don't these people care as much? Why are they not as passionate as I am? Um, it's a good time to step back, to try to quietly observe, to go last whenever it's time to talk, um, and to, to realize that you can go further with people than you can without them. Even when you feel like a superhero, right? Everybody is eventually going to need other people around them. And, Mm. and so sometimes you can go further by going a little bit slower and with people rather than going faster by yourself. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I'll, I'll just add this is, um, used to be a part of a, um, a mentoring organization. And we used to have this phrase called take someone with you. So a lot of really healthy mentoring happens yeah. just in the everyday aspects of life. And I think if there's one thing that AIDS could do to um, prevent like what you just said um, in their leadership, hey, take somebody with you. Um, yeah. if, if you're doing something that you're kind of like, well, I can, just, I can do it better on my own. Um, if you want to, if you want to see your organization be set up for the future, um, and experience longevity, um, then you're one of the primary people that need to be investing in that next generation of leaders. And so, Hey, 
take somebody with you. Um, yeah. A, and somebody that's a part of your team, right? Like yes, eight, absolutely. eights are not normally that frustrated at the people they're working on behalf of. They normally get mm-hmm. frustrated at the people they're working with or yep. people that are just outside the organization in general. And mm-hmm. that's where you have to really work, uh, you know, intentionally to use that word, uh, to be compassionate. And like you said, to take people with you because you yeah. might not do that naturally. For sure. So we talked about the loudest person in the room. Let's talk about one of the quietest for a second. Sure. Um, so Enneagram nines, man, these are your peacemakers. Um, these are the people that have this unique ability to see the world through just about every perspective. Mm-hmm. Um and um, have a have a superpower at bringing people together and not just conflict resolution, but helping, I think, really helping people find what it is that they've been equipped and called to do. And so in the context of a, a faith-based nonprofit, uh, one of the things that I see nine shining in is that ability to invest in the community and the camaraderie of their team. Um, so we have a team of about 10 or 11 people here at Camp Pondo. And um, Ryan, he's one of our, uh, our team members, and he's also, he identifies as a type nine. And Ryan is one of the first people to have people over for like a barbecue or a game mm. night or a mm. bag of tournament or sorry, we're in California, cornhole. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, and, and what, what I've seen out of that is it really is intentional. Like mm. it's, it's an intentional effort to invest in our team. Um, to kind of take a breath and kind of let the weight of the world off of our shoulders for a little bit and just mm-hmm. come and be people and enjoy each other. And then we find that the next day when we step back in the office and we have something to laugh about and something to um, to remember, um, just the, the positive and things we love about each other, then we're better together. We're, we're better team members. Um, we're, we're better when it comes to resolving conflict. Um, yeah. And so peacemaking isn't always what it sounds like. I mean, that's kind of a war term, but I think mm. a lot of healthy nines, um, are like these little wizards. Like they, they'll have a party, <laughs> they'll have a party. And the next thing you know, like two people that were fighting at work are like playing bago together, you know, on uh, the same team. Sure. And you're like, how'd he do that? You know? Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, that's cool. So, yeah. So anyways, just a few thoughts there, man, but what, um, in wrapping all of this up, what do you, what do you think about nines? Yeah, I think one of the big things that nines need to look out for is that little thing that's like in the back of their minds during team discussions that says like, I could speak up, but I don't think I should, right? Because nines a lot of times have a lot of wisdom and insight that they just keep to themselves because they're afraid of rocking the boat and causing conflict. And, you know, there's a lot of people on the Enneagram that in order to love people well, they need to shut up. Uh, but then there's also other ones like nines that in order to love people well, they need to speak up, mm, right? Yeah. And um, and so any nine that you would ever talk to, I'm positive. If you ask them the question, hey, do you have any times where something happened where you almost said something and didn't and regretted it later? I think every nine would say yes to that. Mm. And um, And so they know that speaking up has a lot of value. And so just remember that. And, and when you get that little, uh, you know, feeling or, or thought that oh, I could say this, just, I mean, try to speak up and say it because you probably see something that others don't. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Ryan. And, you know, as we start talking about becoming intentional so that we can rise, um, 
to the potential that our teams have to become these right. invincible teams. Um, I still like we, both of us, like the Enneagram is a valuable tool. One, one of many tools, but it is a valuable tool that when we, when we begin to um, become self-aware um, we can be able to not only have more grace for ourselves, but grace for others. Yeah. Um, and like we talked about in the beginning, when we're talking about, you know, putting people in these seats on the bus or these seats in our organizations um, or us as leaders, when we figure out what our type is and what our strengths and weaknesses are, um, there's a, there's a vulnerability there that happens. There's a, there's a camaraderie there that happens. Um, and so we just want to help you guys step into that intentional space so that your teams can grow and so they can become invincible. Yeah. And I'll say just one last thing here is that if you are a a nonprofit leader, faith-based or otherwise out there that's listening to this and and wants to engage in this conversation more, please reach out to us, social media. You can email us, uh, hello at evergreenteams.com. Uh, Cody works specifically with nonprofits and a lot of faith-based organizations. And I know he'd love to have a conversation with you about this. So please, if that's you and this sounds interesting and something that you would like to do uh, and talk through with your team, uh, we would love to have that conversation with you. So please uh, reach out, right? Even if you're a nine. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks so much, Ryan. Looking forward to the next one. All right. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. We'd like to challenge you now to go share this episode with a team leader or business owner you know that might like it. And just like every podcast, we appreciate all the subscribes, likes, shares, reviews, and five-star ratings you can give us. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.